welcome to this episode of This Is Your TV Life. Um, for the first time in this podcast, we're stepping behind the cameras, um, away from the acting side, uh, and a very vital part, um, a part actually that if it wasn't part of the show, the actors couldn't do their jobs, um, is the writing side of things. And we're going to the, the writing goddess, um, I think it's a, a good word, certainly on in kids' <laughs> TV, um, and we're talking to Emma Reeves. Now, you'll know Emma um, if you grew up, um, and I think we've all grown up, with CBBC. She's wrote, written for shows like, are you ready for this, Emma? The Story of Tracy Beaker, Tracy Beaker Returns, Young Dracula, The Dumping Ground, Eve, Hetty Feather, The Worst Switch, Demon Headmaster, and the small show that was on recently, My Mum, Tracy Beaker. What a lineup! But firstly, welcome, Emma. Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to meet you. No, thank you for, for joining us. Um, it was that, That's a, a long list. And that's not even them all. That's just a, a select <laughs> few of the shows that you've you've written for or, co- or created or co-created. And so it's a fantastic list. Yes, I mean, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to, to write on quite a few shows for um, CBBC. Um, it's been great because it's sort of, although I've written for a few different shows, a lot of them have been in very different genres. So um, it's sort of, it's sort of quite, quite, quite a wide range of um, experiences, really. So it's been really lucky. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, the first question that I like to ask everybody is, obviously yours is a slightly different one word, but obviously, what made you go into writing? Like, what made you start? Well, I mean, um, probably probably similar to a lot of your interviewees, because um, I actually started as an actor, and um, mm-hmm. I think it, it it came from there. This sort of um, wanting to tell stories, one, wanting to sort of see through things through the eyes of other people, um, you know, use your imagination. I think it was. I think what what it came from. That's yeah. Is that that's a great explanation there. Um, I think everybody likes to see things. That's why TV is so, so popular. Um, everybody to a certain extent likes to see things from other people's, but obviously taking writing takes it to a whole new level. You're actually telling the story through the other people's eyes. So, so one of the first shows, or I think the, the first, certainly the first kids show you wrote for, what was back in the early 2000s with the story of Tracy Beaker, yes. which was the, many people forget, but that was the first time we were introduced on TV to the character Tracy Beaker. Um, so what was it like? Or how did it come about, firstly? Well, um, I was doing um, a, a sort of development uh, workshop group at BBC Wales. It was, very, it was a very good thing. They, uh, like a lot of these sort of initiatives, they plan to do it every year, but I don't think they ever did it again. I think because things were changing at BBC Wales around that time because Doctor Who was coming back. But um, I was writing an episode of Doctor, I think, um, and... Um, they, they were also looking for writers for Tracy Beaker at the time on series four, um, because it'd be, it had been obviously running three years. They used to do 15 minute episodes. So it was seen as a good place to um, try out new writers. And by the time it got to series four, there were a lot of people um, that they would bring in to, to you know, have a go at 15 minutes. Because um, obviously it had been originally created um, back in 2002 by um, Ellie Brewer was the lead writer with Kaz Lester, the producer. And um, it was, and it was based on the on the the book, my, uh, the book, the story of Tracy, which came out in 1990. Um, so yeah, so Tracy Beaker had had quite a sort of um, a longish journey to screen because it sort of took over 10 years for um, the sort of its supporters to persuade CBBC to do it. Um, 
and then yes, yeah, so I came along in series four. Yeah, so series four. Uh, that was a, that was the last series of that 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 spinoff. Well, that's part of it, wasn't it? Uh, well, uh, there was a, fi- a fifth series as well. So we're, I wrote on series, series four and series five. Yes, right. And then um, obviously you wrote for that. So what what is it like seeing that you've been part of almost every step of that journey? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's extraordinary, really. It's it's certainly sort of not not something I would have particularly expected, but um, uh, but it's been you know it's been it's been wonderful, and I've been sort of very lucky. Uh, and I'm sort of quite good friends with Jacqueline now, and um, I've I've adapted a couple of her books for stage. I adapted Hetty Feather and Wave Me Goodbye for stage, and I also wrote on Hetty Feather the TV series. So, um, yeah. so I feel like I've sort of been sort of you know had quite a lot to do with um with Tracy Beaker, and because I'm sort of I've read a lot of Jacqueline's books, I'm a very big fan of um, Jacqueline's work, and I think sort of the, the new show, My Mum, Tracy Beaker, sort of, it's 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 sort of, it, it really follows on in book terms from the book world um, rather than the TV world, but we've tried to sort of um, just about make it work for either. <laughs> so, but yes, it's been quite a, it's been quite, quite, a, quite a sort of long um, um, sort of journey there <laughs> with me and Tracy. Yeah, 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 because that's what, well, it was 2002, or oh, 2004 or five you come into it. Yes. Um, right through to, to now, obviously, 2021. Uh, and hopefully, um, and we'll discuss that later, maybe continuing. Um, so a, apart from Tracy, because that's the easy answer, who's your favourite character in the franchise? Um, oh, it, it, in the Tracy franchise? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are so many um, possibilities. I mean, I, 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 I do have a definite sort of soft spot for Justine Littlewood. Um, I think uh, it was interesting that with on Tracy Beaker Returns, um, I, I wanted to bring her back from, from the beginning and they finally let me bring me bring her back on series three of Tracy Beaker Returns. And um, and then Jacqueline brought her back in the novel of my mum, Tracy Beaker. So I was, I was delighted that Justine's back. I think sort of, I think Justine, um, you know, is a, is a great sort of, you know, she's the master to, to Tracy's doctor. She's um, Moriarty to Tracy Sherlock. I think also, because particularly because the books are written um, in the first person and it's the story of Tracy Beaker. And, you know, you imagine there's a parallel narrative, which is, you know, the story of Justine Littlewood, where Justine sees herself as a persecuted heroine um, and Tracy's always doing her wrong. So it's sort of quite nice to, to, to have this sort of um, this sort of balanced character. Um, but I mean, there are some there are some lovely characters and other character I'm very fond of um, in the books as well. Yeah, no, uh, certainly Justina, and we'll, we'll touch a bit more on the the reunion um, when <laughs> we get to my mum and Tracy Beaker. But Justine definitely, I think, is probably the, the second most popular. Um, yes. So, was there ever any like discussions of maybe doing a series involving her, like doing it from her point of view? Um, there there haven't been, but uh, but but um, you know, n- n- who. Who knows? I think I think the sort of you know, as I was saying, I, I kind of had a job to persuade them to that it was the right thing to do to bring Justine back on um, Tracy Beaker Returns. But um, I think seeing how much enthusiasm there is for for Justine Littlewood in the new show, who knows that that might <laughs> that might persuade them. <laughs> well, that's it. Like there was massive um, want for for Justine definitely. Yes. Um. So so what do you think is had? Obviously, you you've wrote. From books, so from obviously Jacqueline's books and Gillian yes. Cross's books. Um, what do you think is harder, writing from a book that already exists or writing, for example, Eve, where there was no, nothing to fall back on? Um, I think obviously it's it's harder to create a, a show from scratch. Um, but I think um, 
but 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 also um, in that situation, um, there are you, you, there, you, there there are some sort of concerns removed because I think you know there's always. Um, on, on, on writing and adaptation there's sort of you know people particularly if it's very very well known obviously you have to or I you know I think you you know I want to um, honour the writer's work and you know if if the writer is alive uh, I want them to be happy with it um, if not their estate you know I, I don't want to do anything which the original writer wouldn't like um uh and and if and if it's well and if it's well known you there's there's the sort of the fans as well and um so I think there's a lot of there's 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 a lot of baggage that comes with um adapting um known work but um which and but it could but it can also sort of help to think keep things on the right track whereas sort of developing original work obviously that's so lots of people can sort of you know think it should be done differently and so if you've got a lot of opinions which you always do in tv that difficult but I mean I think um though yeah I, I would say that adapting work is probably easier but um but creating your own work is very fulfilling well, I can imagine like obviously I, I've only ever wrote in small stories at school I never continued it um because to be honest I wasn't very good um but I can imagine that writing something you, yourself like from scratch it is it's a lot harder but there was a lot there's a lot more there's a, it's a lot easier in respects of fans and things people yeah. that want to see it there's no expectations like with eve it was a brand new show i'm, I'm going to touch on eve obviously a bit later but with eve it was a brand new show there was no there was nobody in the world that was that, that was expecting anything from it yes yes as exactly. with jc beaker and then obviously with my mum jc beaker there's always a lot of people obviously there was massive massive amount of fans that they were expecting a lot from it like and they were expecting yes. the right things that was the thing um, yes, definitely. Definitely. So, so what is what's Jacqueline like to work with? Because I'm sure you've you've worked with her a lot over the years. Oh, she's 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 lovely, and she's you know she and she's she's been sort of very um, supportive, very kind. She's she's always she's you know she's she's always sort of given the most of gentle notes, and always sort of you know been very supportive of everything I've wanted to do with 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 her books and characters so you know she's she's lovely I think I think um you know she, she's she's got a very kind manner but I think um you you need to be very um to have a core of steel to succeed it to the extent that she has so I think um you know I think I think if I was trying to do anything that she really hated I'd know about it she would find but um but you know usually because I've been respectful to her work she's been she's been great <laughs> well that's it yeah that definitely so, so we'll move on to like we'll come back to it to Tracy um later on um but we'll, we'll move on to to one of the other kind of big shows that you did um years ago and that was Young Dracula yes. um so how did that show come about well that was sort of directly on the heels of of, of Tracy because um uh, it, it actually uh, there, there was a little um and I think the BBC has moved completely from there now, but there was, there was a little sort of house um, opposite the um, big BBC broadcasting house at Llandaff and, um, the, and the little house, and it was like a house, um, you know, sort of <laughs> um, like a private house, but it was sort of converted into offices. And um, that was where Tracy was was based in series four and five when I worked on it. And then it was, it was sort of inherited by the Young Dracula office, which was originally done for two years in um, in Cardiff. So... Again, so they were looking for writers come, you know, some that sort of um, I think they knew me from my work on Tracy. So I got a job on the first on the first series of that. And I wrote two episodes and then um, and then I wrote on the second series. And then, as you know, it went away for a few years and then came back a few late a few years later in a new form um, with young Dracula being a teenager. So and that was that was um, an incredibly fun show to work on. Um, 
and it had you know it had a wonderful cast and um great other writers and um it was yeah that was i've got a, a very fond memories of that one yeah no that, that's it again dracula is a is a, a popular character um obviously he's, he's a yes. he's a, obviously a completely polar opposite to tracy beaker than what you've done before um as in he's a kind of baddie what was it like to, to add just a bit of 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 you a bit of Emma to the story of Dracula <laughs> it was it was great fun because um it was it was sort of you know the, the the fact that it was sort of it was obviously the sort of the setup was that there was Dracula he was sort of trying to live um a sort of traditional vampire life but because it was a comedy um he was actually um coward he was incredibly vain and narcissistic um but you know I mean well, va- vampires are vain and narcissistic yeah. it's a it's a thing they're known for um but, and he had these two kids uh, and, and it, he had a wife who was even worse than him when she was when she was on the scene. She was manipulated, always trying to kill him. And uh, and she and he had this one kid, um, Vlad, who just didn't want to be a vampire. But um, because of the patriarchy, he was um, Dracula was sort of always wanting him to be his natural heir, not seeing that um, he had a, an older daughter, Ingrid, who was the perfect vampire and would have been a good heir, heir for him. But he just dismissed her because she was a girl. So it was kind of quite sort of, you know, fun to sort of skewer the patriarchal expectations, but in through this, through the eyes of, of comedy. And then of course there was Robin, um, who was played by, I'm just, oh gosh, what's his surname? Craig, um, went on to be really famous and write um, star in Submarine and various um, films. Anyway, uh, Robin is very, a very successful filmmaker now, but um, Robin was, um, Vlad's best friend who was a goth and who wanted to be a vampire. Oh, yeah. And so he wanted to be a vampire and um, Vlad didn't want to be a vampire. And so they were a great double act. And then um, it was, as I said, they sort of brought it, it ran for two years. We left it on a cliffhanger because they'd promised us a third year, then we didn't get it. So never leave things on a cliffhanger because that's a, so that, so that cliffhanger um, sort of ended up lasting about four or five years before they brought it back. Yeah, no, that, that's the one thing uh, about, um, TV writing that I, I don't particularly like. And I can understand why you do it, obviously, if you're um, at the end of a series and then they don't bring it back for the fans. It's like, what do we do here? Like, I think TV channels should always, if they're never going to bring a show back and it's been left in a cliffhanger, they should let the writers write one episode yeah. just to tie everything up. Like, <laughs> like that's that's how I feel about I, it. I think that should be the law. <laughs> yes, yeah, I agree that. And yes, um, yeah, if you're going to cancel a, a show... Fair do is you have to cut things, move on and change and things. Um, but if it's left in a cliffhanger, you have to write at least one episode or a film if it works, um, <laughs> which they obviously did with Downton Abbey. Um, so you, you've written so many episodes, obviously, for, for kids, cult classics. Why do you think young Dracula has went down in history? Um, I think I think there's a lot of things with young Dracula. I mean, I think one thing, um, um, well, I mean, it, ra- it ran for quite a while. It ran for five series, but with... Um, with a big gap so I think that sort of covers in covers you know quite a few sort of generations of kids because people sort of move on very quickly from the sort of CBBC age I think also with Tracy and young Dracula they were um uh, they went out when um before things went CBBC only so um that so so they used to go out on BBC one 
So I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a situation for quite, for quite long. Um, I mean, and now they're going to sort of iPlayer first as the, as the sort of main delivery thing, which I think will be good for shows. Because I think if you're, particularly if you're sort of writing for sort of, you know, nine, 10, 11 year olds, they don't particularly want to be thought of as a child or sort of, you know, they, they want to be sort of stretching beyond sort of shows for, for young ones. So I think having everything on a channel called CBBC, the C standing for children is, really counterproductive so anyway uh, yeah so young dracula to go on about five um uh, on a uh, five, you know about 5 p.m on bbc one and we get like, a lot of students think, you know, ch- tuning in we'd get you know a lot a lot of you know and i think so we we, we would have a, a, we would sort of be contacted a lot by adults who think it was because you know we, we just mostly used to write what would amuse ourselves to be honest so i think it's <laughs> i think vampires were I think particularly by the time we did the second, but by the time it came back, Twilight had been a thing. So I think vampires were huge at the time, but sort of yeah. being taken quite seriously. And I think we were just sort of having a, having a laugh at the whole sort of vampire lore and vampire traditions. And I, I think sort of that went very well. I think also there were just you know, some wonderful performances. Um, you know, Keith Lee Castle as Dracula, Simon Ludders as Renfield, um, you know, Claire as, as, as Ingrid. Uh, um, Geth, of course, as, as young Dracula. I think there's some, there's some just lovely performances. Yeah, no, they're definitely like that. That's it's the one kind of apart from Tracy Beaker, I think it's one of the first kids shows that I properly kids drama certainly that I remember. Yeah. Definitely, oh, um, um, I remember it like because I, I am like I'm thirty this year, so that yeah. was literally that kind of generation that grew up with these these shows. Which is why yeah. I'm glad that I'm now on the podcast. Um, is there any kind of type of character that's easier to write for than others, or when it's harder, whatever way you want to look at it? I think uh, you know that you know there's there's writing and sort of you know what and you know there are very sort you know obviously sort of TV is very collaborative. You get a lot of notes from a lot of different people on it, and I think that sort of for things to punch through, I think um, Tracy and and Hetty Feather. I think one of the things that sort of very that makes them easy to write is that they are led by a very um a, a character who likes to drink so so Hetty Feather um is sort of a you know she's born in, in into sort of you know incredibly disadvantaged life but she's but she's just a force of nature she's very determined and she will get her way uh Trace I mean Tracy's got a theme song all about it of course you know no matter what will come my way believe me now I will win someday so I think sort of um characters of that type um in traditional TV drama, it's very, it's, they're kind of easy to write because they sort of drive the story. Because, you know, one of the boring questions you'll always be asked, you know, is your, is your protagonist drive story? And sort of, you know, top, top writers like Russell T. Davis get a bit exasperated with some of these questions because, yes, sometimes, sometimes a character doesn't have agency and that's their story. Sometimes they're not driving it, they're caught in circumstances and that's the story. But um, a character, Who's a force of nature like Hetty or Tracy are, are, are sort of easier to write. I think, um, although I felt I could always see Mildred Hubble very clearly on the worst witch, um, that that tended to get a, a, a lot more notes in development because um, because Mildred um, in the book she doesn't want to be a witch at all, and similarly Vlad doesn't want to be um, a vampire at all. So I think people would. I mean, and again, it sort of, it didn't ever bother me. It's sort of like, that's the story, that's the humour. But I think um, sort of some particularly sort of sort of execs at a higher level sort of struggle to get on with Vlad as the main character of Young Dracula because, mm-hmm. you know, he's um, he, he's he's not a sort of strong-willed character trying to trying to sort of um, push his will onto everybody else. Although, of course, the story was everybody else was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and um, uh, so it was... Um, 
but yeah, I think I think I think sort of does and but you know and again I'm not I'm not sort of saying this is what characters should be because I think we need to explore all sorts of stories. But you just you just asked me what's the easiest and yeah, I was the easiest the easiest to write and you know and and because of course as as a as a as a writer I mean ultimately what you're writing. Um, is a blueprint for you know the other creatives for, for for the actors for the director for the designer to create something but of course before that you've got a lot of levels of of, of people who are reading it and giving notes you've got, got sort of a, um, an army of like script development type people you've got um, script editors you've got producers you've got um, exec producers and you've got sort of commissioners so there are a lot of people who need to be persuaded by this script before it even gets to be interpreted by an actor so yeah. So on that level, I would say characters of the Tracy or Hetty type are, are probably the easiest. Yeah, no, definitely. There's a, there's a lot of stages there, but um, yeah. And all these questions are, are in your opinion or are, are easier for you. We're not talking, obviously, there's a load yeah. of writers out there that write loads and loads of different things. And if, if there wasn't, then TV would be boring because it would be the same thing all the time. Um, so that's, that's why TV is so diverse. Um, so, so after, obviously with things in between but after um young dracula you kind of went back to the tracy beaker series in a way um and you went to the the dumping ground which is still running to this day um it's probably it's the longest running part of the tracy beaker series isn't it it would be now yes because the original um yeah the original tracy beaker went five years um tracy beaker returns went three years and dumping ground Gosh, dumping dumping ground. Um, well, I was there for three years, and that was many years ago now. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's quite um, a few years. It's been around about series ten by now. I'd have thought. Yeah, how different was it writing for the dumping ground, like over Tracy Beaker? Well, I think the biggest change really was between um, the story of Tracy Beaker and Tracy Beaker Returns, because um, Tracy Beaker Returns went. To, it was a half hour show rather than fifteen minute show, and. Um, I mean, I can't really speak for, I think sort of some of series one of, of Tracy Beaker um, hinted at quite a lot of, um, you know, the dark past because, um, you know, ob obviously sort of, it's sort of, you know, if you read between the pages of the novels and in the, and in the early Tracy series, um, she was obviously sort of um, horribly neglected by her mum. And um, then, you know, and, and in the books, you know, there was actual abuse by um, sort of stepfathers. So, you know, there's a, it's um, very, she comes from a very dark place. Um, I think series four and five of, of um, the story of Tracy Beaker, or certainly the episodes that I was hired to write were a lot lighter. And on, on Tracy Beaker Returns, it was, a it was it was half an hour. We had a protagonist by now who was sort of a young woman who was sort of 18-ish. And, um, and, and so it was sort of, it was a slightly um, more mature, slightly darker, longer um, show. And um, obviously when the, dump the dumping ground was just the same show, without Tracy and um and so it wasn't a it 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 wasn't a, a, a hugely um strange to sort of swerve from the the dumping ground sorry from from Tracy Beaker returns to the dumping ground yeah. I think it was sort of because it, it, it we'd always had of um you know Tra Tracy would sort of be leading the A story but there would be uh, it would always be sort of two main stories um featuring two of the young people so um and and this would so it was just a case of we didn't have a character I mean a very important character but um but a lot of the but sort of Tracy's role by this point had sort of evolved into 
um, you know, she was she was learning to be a care worker and, um, you know, and lots of sort of Tracy's sort of journey and lessons would be based around uh, what was going on with the young people. So, yeah, it was um, it was it, it actually. And, you know, we had the same writers. We and I think we had the same um, most of the same production team for series one of The Dumping Ground. So so that felt like a sort of a very smooth like it's almost like we're making the same show with a different title, to be honest. Yeah, that, and it had that kind of feel, definitely. Yes. Um, certainly from from watching, certainly from series one of, of the Dumping Ground, um, certainly had the same feel of the the, the, the Tracy Beaker Returns series. Yeah. Um, so I can understand that, and I'm I'm glad that 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 was that that wasn't just me that was thinking that. Um, yes. <laughs> so, what was your favourite story in the Dumping Ground that you were part of? Um, I think it was probably. I mean, there's a few that have kind of like quite proud of, of, of doing um I was I was quite proud of the um story that we told about Kazima and uh um try, trying to get refugee status uh in the UK um uh, and that was something which um Dawn who was a Dawn Harrison who was one of the other writers had been working a lot with these um young men who had uh, um refugees who had traveled to the UK as minors and um and you know we sort of we had some interviews with with social workers and people who work with um, refugees, and it was sort of quite. It was you know quite eye opening to realise it because the story of Kazima was they were saying she was over eighteen, which would mean she'd have to be deported, um, and um, and and uh, you know you can't. The part, you know, I, I didn't, there's no sort of way um, medically to prove somebody's exact age. It's all sort of speculation, really. So. Um, and that so that that was a you know that 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 was a sort of very interesting storyline and uh, um and um i was also um quite proud of a show of um i think this might have been tracy beaker returns but um johnny uh for of you know john who was t's uh, um older brother um oh, yeah. mm-hmm. we did a, a story about them which was and i thought because I, I, I felt it sort of um, you know, it, it sort of really sort of got back to sort of the roots of um, Tracy Beaker because it was a story about them and their mother was they'd they'd been taken into care um, because they had a, a a violent stepfather which and their mother had couldn't protect them. The story was that the mum was still with the same bloke but had had another baby who was a toddler and and had left this violent man and and was in a woman's refuge and um, it's sort of that. You know, and it was, and it was sort of between the brother and sister exploring the sort of the um, the story of well, it's great that she's left him, but she's left him for this new baby. Why couldn't she do that for us? And then sort of Johnny by by then was a young man. I think he was about fifteen, and it was it was obviously it was all based on research and um for for privacy reasons, it was a lot of recorded interviews. But I remember we had recorded interviews with a young boy who um who lived in a women's refuge with his mum. And um, because Johnny was sort of like a 15 year old boy, he wasn't allowed into the refuge as a man and, and that made him angry. So it was, it, was a, it was a sort of quite a dark, complex story. And I think, you know, when, when you can sort of, but the, you know, the, the sort of the positive side of, of, of telling these things, it's sort of like some people would say, oh, don't put that on children's TV, but the, the sort of the good side of it is, you know, we had um, messages from children who had lived in, refuges with their mum and they were saying oh you know thank you for putting that on tv because you know now you know I don't feel sort of alone I don't feel that you know I'm the only one who's had this experience and, and you know and I can sort of you know tell people my, my friends if I want to about it and they can understand so you know. 
No, that, that's it. And I think it, it's vital that kids learn these these things, even if they don't mm. ever see it or come across it in real life. But they yeah. need to know that, that these that it's okay, that things yeah. are okay. And, and because kids, kids are the most horrible people in the world. Like, there's no getting about it. Like, because they don't understand. That's the reason. Mm. Like, I, I was bullied at school um, for, for being gay and I was even out. So kids are like, horrible but to put it on screen in a kid's show um of whatever the storyline whether it be refugees or or whatever it it teaches the kids that it's okay and that's teaching them without them realizing it as well yes yes exactly it's not a teacher standing up in the front of the class preaching to them which is great teachers are fantastic and um, uh, especially in the last year but i'm not taking away from teachers but kids learn easier if they don't realise they're learning. Yes, yes, definitely. And I think sort of, you know, and, and um, you know, hopefully if you can do it right, you can sort of create characters that um, kids will take to their heart. And then it's sort of, you know, just because it's a, a, you know, if people are different in a way that the kid hasn't particularly encountered, if they've, if they've, if they've encountered that on television, then they will, um, you know, ho- ho- hopefully be, be ready to sort of um uh, you know accept people and not not and not be as you say because because kids because you know kids as you say can they they can be wonderful but they can also be be horrible and they can and they can be bullies and you know and they cannot realize that you know because I guess sort of you know children are often sort of under an urge you know urge to conform and if they and if they see somebody who's conforming less than them they could oh pick on that person and then and then I won't get picked on so you know I think it, it's, it's it's just important to sort of present them with as wide a range of you know diverse people and as possible 100% and I think that's also plays a part in the adult tv but certainly with kids tv it definitely is um so, so we'll move on slightly um to a show that you after dumping down you went on to co-create um so it's your baby um, if you like, and that's the kids' TV show Eve. Yes. Um, that was I'm right in saying it's your first show that you co-created, certainly in kids' yes. TV. And, and you know, to and to um, to this day, it's the um, well, I, th- I think there are other shows that I've sort of co-created in the sense of being the um, lead adapter on on um, on a series of books or whatever. But um, the only one that's like a complete TV original, and that was uh, that kind of, and that's Eve, Eve that I co-created with with David Chickway. Yes. Yeah, so, so how did the idea come about for Eve? Like, well, I think David sent. In, in, I think we once sort of looked back, and I think it was um, January of twenty ten. Um, David sent me an email, sort of. Um, I think we'd been we'd been working on an another show that he didn't get picked up, and he'd said, sort of, what about this idea? And it's a, a, a girl who's a robot. He sent me about a page, and then I sort of. Um, develop that and so and so we worked on it together and then we sort of submitted it to because he worked through a company uh leopard um we submitted it to to cbbc um and then eventually after a lot of development documents and changes of of people at the top so cheryl taylor came in who would ultimately be the one to green light it but before then damien kavanagh had been the commissioner and i think he'd and i think in at some age it was seen as much more of a kind of sitcom but then sort of at some point in de- development it sort of became more of a drama with um series de- with sort of more of a ser- with with a serial element which i which i was really keen on 
Um, and then, yeah, we sort of wrote, I think, possibly two scripts before we finally got, got the green light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's that. So thankfully it did because um, it was a popular kids TV show at the time. Um, was it fun to write a, a series that, that no one had ex- any expectations of? Yes, it was. And uh, and also the fact that, that she's a robot. I mean, I, I, it's sort of it's interesting. We, we, we did some um, work with with kids and um, they, they do these se- se- um, sessions called Stepping Out um, at Salford, where, where CBBC is based. We went, I think it was Eccles, possibly. Um, I've certainly been to Eccles. I cr- I'm just trying to think which one this particular one was, because you quite often go, go into classrooms and meet kids and talk about the ideas, you know, and so the idea that this girl was a robot they were taken with. And I remember I was sort of saying, you know, what, what, what would you like to see the robots do, robot do? And, and, and the answers are all like, rip someone's head off, rip someone's arms off and all these things. Like, and I see, um, so so um, ages later, because and this, 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 this is the thing about um, being a, um, you know, a new show. I remember the producer at one point saying, does she have to have super strength? And I was just like, yeah, she's a robot. You can't have, because of course, you know, Poppy was this angelic looking girl and I was saying, this slender, blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl. And I was going, you know, you've got, if she's, if the, the gag is that she's a robot, you've, you've got to have her having super strength. I was going, we did not have her ripping anyone's head or arms off because that <laughs> would not be very CBBC. But yeah. I was sort of did show that like that's the expectations of kids it's sort of like they want if they want to see a robot it's got to be super strong right (laughs) so you know yeah definitely super strong but yeah I can understand it it's a (laughs) a pre-watershed tv show not a (laughs) post-watershed you were writing a kid's tv not game of thrones Uh, (laughs) um definitely so so obviously a lot of the shows um that you have have written um have a have a female lead um and a, a strong female lead too like you obviously mm-hmm. had Tracy Beaker, Hazy Feather, Eve, um just the were Switch, just name a, a few of them um how important and is that to you and to TV? I think it's very important to TV I think it's interesting that as you say because because there are um shows on CBBC with male leads but I never never seem to get right asked to write I suppose I suppose you could argue I suppose actually young Dracula didn't have a female lead but it had Ingrid who was just such a wonderful character that she you know she was was as strong as as any of the um characters there I, th- I think you know I suppose the leads in young Dracula were were Dracula um Keith Lee Castle and and young Dracula but um I think I think I think it's I think it's very important to show a, a variety of 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 uh, female characters I mean, it's funny because, of course, I think there's, you know, there is a lot of that in, in kids um, drama and people are often sort of like, well, how can we how can we get more boys and how can we do more shows for the boys? And so I was saying so I, I suppose um, either I sort of gravitate or this is what the work on show generally shows with with um with with strong female leads. But or, you know, or, or maybe I tend to um sort of build them up. But um I think, you know, because obviously the demon headmaster is an interesting one because you know, the lead is the headmaster, but he's also the antagonist, you know, he's a baddie. So um, I think um, even in, in the Demon Headmaster, though, that you had the, the, the strong because the, the, the lead yes, character yes, was yes. a female. And I think and I think Lizzie and, you know, obviously, I think um, Liz, Lizzie sort of becomes built up as a strong um, opposition. And I think mm-hmm. sort of, yeah, and there actually are some very strong female characters in Demon Headmaster. So I think, you know, I, I don't even know if I do it consciously. I think it's maybe just like I, you know, can't help it. But but I think also I think there is that thing of you know when I was saying about 
obviously I, I, want, I wanted Eve to have super strength, but I think, you know, Eve, even as a robot, she was, you know, she was quite vulnerable in many ways because she didn't understand human society and, and she didn't, and, you know, her expectations, um, uh, you know, she, 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 she would sort of get things wrong a lot. So um, I think sort of sometimes, you know, people want to write a strong female lead and they sort of think, oh, she's got to be sort of, you know, tough and hard and stronger than the men and like ass kicking. And I think, I think obviously it wouldn't necessarily have to be that. Um, but then of course, Lizzie in the demon headmaster is all those things, but again, but then she's all, but then she's also very, she's also vulnerable as well. I mean, oh, I yeah. think, you know, I think it would, it would, it would have been fun with the lead boy as well, but I think I particularly enjoyed, cause obviously the demon headmaster sort of took me back to my old school days. So I would kind of love writing a sort of, teenage girls standing up to this grown-up male authority figure I think those those are my favorite bits when the sort of Lizzie and the headmaster were kind of going head to head yeah no definitely like I, I think don't get me wrong that 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 question there was obviously I am obviously supportive and it is something that's very much needed yeah, yeah. um without a doubt, I think more so in, in adults tv um I think because I think women are portrayed as these damsels in distress and they're not always like, yeah. I can assure you, I'm the, the the male in distress. I can assure you, I'm no strong male. <laughs> I'm the one that would curry away for anything. That I'm away. Goodbye. Um, yes, I mean, I, was, I, I guess I was just saying, I mean, I totally agree with you. It is important. I was just sort of saying that, you know, I was just being honest and thinking, you know, I don't think it's something that, you know, I brought to BBC. I think it's something that, you know, CBBC quite naturally does. And I think, yeah. I mean, hopefully adult TV is getting better. But I remember, you know, only about five or six years ago, there was a bit of a kerfuffle because the BBC, sort of grown up BBC, released an autumn trailer drama, which had all the women had no speak. There were no speaking parts for women. And the only women that they showed were like prostitutes or or women crawling seductively across a bed. And, um, you know, meanwhile, CBBC trailers would have, you know, girls being a ro- being a sort of queen in a future dystopia in the start in the Spartacle mystery, <laughs> being vampires, being scientists. And it's sort of, you know, it's sort of like, gosh, what happens when, once things go to adult TV that sort of all, all these all these options that we're presenting for girls um, vanish and only and only sort of being murdered is left <laughs> and crawling <laughs> seductively across the bed. <laughs> That's it. I, I think we spoke about it uh, in previous podcasts about the if especially kids, but adults as well. If you don't see it, you can't be it. Yes. Um, yes. As well as a, as a part of that, and I think for 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 girls, especially young girls, um, if they see okay, like for example, Eve, it's a robot. She's never got women are never going to be robots, but if they see the strong um, female that that is the lead of this show, then. Yes. Okay, so women are strong in this, so it's great to see. Talking about strong female leads, um, next up on your TV journey, you you stopped by uh, your, one of your first relaunches for CBBC, um, which was the the Worst Witch. Yes. Um, now I remember the Worst Witch originally. Um, I remember the Jillian Cross books. I say I remember them; they're still about, obviously. Um, was it hard writing for a show that was loved many years ago? It was, and and, and I had an interesting sort of approach to this, which which would be quite, which would be the opposite of what I then did with the Demon Head Master, which will no doubt come to. Which was um, with the Worst Witch, we had the option on um, Jill Murphy's books, and I'd read um, well. I think there are about only f- no three Jill Murphy books out when I was a kid. I think the uh, the other she's she's written more books since. And they'd come out when when I was a grown up. Um, 
And but the TV show of the 90s of The Worst Witch was made by ITV. So so we kind of didn't. So anything which they had created or sort of put in their show, I, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, it'd been up to them to sue us. I'm sure they wouldn't. But I just sort of felt like, well, I mean, legally, we, you know, we, we couldn't, you know, it wasn't ours. We had the rights to the books and that was all. So um on this, so on this occasion, I, I didn't rewatch any of the the ITV worst, which I was, and I re I reread the books many many times. I was just trying not, trying not to be influenced by the ITV, not not because I sort of um, didn't rate it, but just just because um, you know that's not what we were doing. We didn't have the rights to that. So so um, on that that so that is a you know, a completely separate continuity. And of course, I was you know concerned about things being so um, you know so, so 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 well loved. But I think I, but you know, but also Jill's books of you know they've always been in print. They're incredibly popular. So I was thinking about the fans of the the books as well. And of course, Jill illustrates her own work. And I think because obviously um, Jacqueline's books are very associated with the illustrations of Nick Sherratt and there's a real um, a sort of a visual um, sort of people associate with Jacqueline Wilson, which is sort of which was which is is Nick's. Um, but um, with Jill, she illustrates her own books. So there was a kind of so she was very interested in that. There's a whole look about it, which is sort of, you know, comes direct from the author. No, that, that's it. Uh, and and uh, just just before we move on, I think I've got a connection to make. Um, I if needed, I think I called her Gillian Cross. Yes. Um we'll come to Gillian Cross in a minute. I apologize, Jill Murphy, just in case she listens. Um I highly doubt it. Um, but just in case it's obviously Jill Murphy that, that wrote the 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 worst switch, not Gillian Cross. Um but yeah, so so obviously it was based more in the book than the than the ITV series because every day um, I think certainly of, of my generation um, remembers the the original, but I had actually forgotten that it was the that it was ITV that, that did the first oh. one. It was CITV rather than CBC. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, obviously, yeah, talking about um, the the worst witch. Um, who's your favourite character? Oh, I mean, it's funny because I, I actually I also did a stage play of the worst witch. People sort of ask me ask me this a lot. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, I, I, I do, I, I kind of love them all. I do, I do love Mildred, and um, I think I've got, I've got, I, I, I very much love Maud because she's such a, um, such a loyal best friend, and um, I, and I, and I think you know, Maud is somebody you just love to have in your life. I also just, um, you know, like a lot of people, just like have a bit of a sort of worship for Miss Hardbroom because she's just, she's just so, so, so sort of strong and uncompromising and um, cutting and iconic and you know and she's always she's always realized very beautifully and she's got this wonderful sort of witchy aesthetic so yeah I think possibly Miss Hardbroom actually funnily enough Jill says that um when she started writing the book she she was Mildred um you know because she, she literally started writing them in school um rebelling against the um the Catholic school and the nuns who used to teach her but you know when, uh -huh. when I came to work with Jill on um the, the sort of reboot it was she said that she agreed with Miss Hardbroom and sort of thought it was appalling that standards are, are sort of slipping everywhere <laughs> so, so I think there's a bit of the demon headmaster in Miss Hardbroom as well that sort of you know she, she you know her sort of point is sort of life is hard and witching is hard and and people you know need to be not soft and need to to get on with it and uh, you know um, 
whilst I would disagree with her and argue in, in favour of kindness, sometimes, you know, you do think she's got a point. So. Yes, I think, yeah, I, I, certainly I, as we grow up, the, the, the opinions of, of certain characters might change, definitely. I can yeah. understand that. <laughs> uh, you rewatch things and you think, I was really for them. Why am I not for them? Um, definitely. Um, so, so I think classic is, is, a, is a word that's thrown about a lot in TV. Um, oh, this is a classic. This is a classic. Um, but certainly, you were you were involved in, a, in another reboot um, just last year. It came out. Uh, no, two years ago now, twenty nineteen. Sorry, it came out. Um, wasn't it the tail end of twenty nineteen? Yes, uh, Demon Head Master was because we filmed it in 2019 and it went out at the very end of 20. It was a real like quick turnaround. Yeah. And, um, um, so yeah, we filmed it because it, it went out for um, sort of start starting um, Halloween, I think, 2019. So it was, it was 2019. Yeah, so it was yeah. nearly two years ago now. Obviously, last year was a complete write off for, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, so technically, we'll say last year because we're right <laughs> known last year. Um, but I think classic, as I say, was thrown about, but this definitely, certainly in kids' TV history, whether you've watched it or not, everybody knows about the Demon Headmaster. Like, <laughs> it was this TV show that was, it, it was a classic. Like, let's not be kidding. Everybody was petrified. Like, I remember it originally, um, and I was petrified of this Demon Headmaster. Like, the minute he took his glasses off, it was like, oh, here it goes. What's going to do? <laughs> Um, definitely. So you obviously you were the the, the, the creator, the lead writer, uh, the creator of that new show. How did it how did it come about? Like where did they? Because because it, it seems to come out of nowhere. Uh, well, like, like a lot of things, um, I was I was in a meeting at CBBC for a project which ultimately didn't happen. But I'm just, and I remember just as I was leaving, um, um, Anna, who's the uh, the head of drama at CBBC, said just sort of, what do you think about the Demon Headmaster? And it's one of those sort of needles ripped off a record thing. And it was like, what, the Demon Headmaster? Oh my God, are you bringing it back? Anyway, it turned out, and I didn't realize that Gillian had written, I think, well, I think to be fair, I haven't come out at this point. Um, Gillian had written a sequel to the Demon Headmaster, which, because um, the original books were read, set, in, set in the eighties. And again, um, I'd read the first couple when I was at school. Then she'd, uh, um, wrote, written a few more sequels and some of them had come out sort of after um, the 90s because I was actually at uni when the um, the 90s um, Demon Headmaster came out um, but I watched it anyway because as, as you did in those days because as, as I said before things were on BBC One so um, so I'd read the old books and um, then I found out that should 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 and, and, the, and the old books all sort of featured the members of Splat and, and Dinah Hunter who of course were in the original show um, Anyway, she'd written a reboot with a completely new cast of kids, um, which had no reference to the previous one. And um, and it was sort of and it was more of a satire on sort of how, how things are going now with um, academy schools and um, sort of, you know, modern thoughts in education. And, um, you know, and I thought that was just absolutely brilliant um, to write. So we sort of put in a pitch for that. And I think it was going to be five episodes and I was going to write them all and then um at the last minute, they said they needed need to go up to ten episodes. So we, so we had quite a, we had, it was quite a thin book. So we had to sort of um, add more stuff in. And um, but I'd always had this idea that I really wanted to connect it to the original Demon Headmaster. So um, 
and so, so so we're able to have this bit of a sort of journey where they where they go in search of the headmaster's past and they and they find his old school and um, Dinah comes back. So it just was an I was just absolutely reveling in ultimate geekiness on that one. I loved it. Yeah, no, definitely when when um, I didn't read much about it before it came out, um, and then obviously I found the new series and I, I watched it and I literally watched it in one day. I sat and I binge watched <laughs> the ten episodes. Thankfully, that was due to lockdown. Um, <laughs> lockdown has some had some good things about it. Um, definitely. Um, so, so when did Terrace Hardman's? Because Terrace Hardman obviously played the original Demon Headmaster. Yeah. Um, when did his comeback or his guest star come about? Like, obviously, you well, I'd all, I'd, it's something I'd always wanted to do, and I'd kept um, sort of. <laughs> you know saying can we do this and um asking for it and um and um you know I, th- I think it had just always I mean he's in his 80s now I think it had always been assumed that um they they would um recast the headmaster but I really wanted to establish this continuity of uh, you know and for people who've seen the old series or read the old books would know that as well as his hypnotic powers the headmaster seems to have access to all sorts of technology that's just quite a bit in advance of our own and including cloning technology we know he can do this so I thought you know it makes complete sense in the demon headmaster's world that he'd have built himself a new body um and, and who knows how many he has and you know maybe your headmaster that you don't like is a or your head teacher is as of course they would say now but uh, maybe your head teacher male or female is um is actually a demon headmaster who knows but um yeah so uh, I'd always um, wanted to get Terence back and I was and you know I think um I mean, it's always just such a sort of scramble to get, um, you know, th- fit things into schedule. But I think it was always sort of like, if, if we can do it, you know, if we can do his scenes in one day, um, let's do that. And so I was I was on set for that day. So that was really exciting. Yeah, no, I definitely like, um, as I say, I hadn't read anything about it. So I didn't know about Terence's comeback or, or anything like that, anything to do with the storyline before I watched it. Um, and when, I, when, he, when he came out of that, cupboard okay. or he, we thought he'd come out the cupboard obviously discovered later he's a, he's a hologram but when we when he, we, we saw him appear um I was like oh my god he's back like the front <laughs> back like that, that and I genuinely was like I'm a 29 year old sitting in my bed watching the demon headmaster which is a kid's show anyway getting excited over this horrible yeah. character like that's the thing he is a like a horrible character like he's, he's one that nobody should like yes. but it was like oh my headmaster's back. Yes, I know. I I feel like it's so funny. I feel an enormous amount of weird effect towards the headmaster, <laughs> even though he's just so evil and chilling. Yeah, definitely. Like I I, I still remember the feelings you got when Terence took his glasses off. Um, now this is where I'm going to test myself. The new guy, the new headmaster, Nicholas Gleaves. Nicholas. Um, obviously Nicholas has the same f- feeling. Um, obviously, mm. when, when he takes his, his glasses off, but it just, I think because um, Terence um, is so synonymous and there's still gifts and there's still pictures of him, like, going about, even just his eyes, like, yeah. just this part of him. Like, I don't think ever yeah. anyone's been so infamous about his eyes before. Yes. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's you know, just a meme that sort of never drops because... Um, 
you know, and I know that people used to say that Jack Straw like, looked like the demon headmaster, and he did. And now, of course, um, particularly um, Jacob Rees-Mogg is compared to the to the demon headmaster. Oh, I've never so seen it, but yes, I do see that. There's quite a lot of memes and gifs going around about Jacob Rees-Mogg being the demon headmaster, and and very that would explain a lot. Head authoritarian figures. <laughs> that would explain a lot, Emma. Yes, definitely. Um, so, what was what, what was it like writing for the biggest supervillain in, in kids' TV history? Uh, it was just obviously it was just brilliant it was just incredibly exciting <laughs> so, um I think um I, I, he didn't say anything to me but um I, 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 I you know never got to spend that much time with him but I think uh, I kind of got the impression from the producer that Nicholas was a bit sort of mm, about it because he was sort of like what well, is he really the demon headmaster and um you know and and like I'm just his puppet and I was like no no you're both the demon it's like Doctor Who rules you are both you are both the demon headmaster but um it was a bit like writing a a, a Doctor Who mandatory story really where you have more than one incarnation of the Doctor at once and they don't necessarily get on. That's it. As I say, as you mentioned earlier, Russell T Davis has done it um yeah. with with the Doctor so why not definitely. Um, why not with a, with a kids TV show and you never know um, obviously season 2 I think has been announced oh yeah I mean it's been announced I mean it, it was it was sort of, it's announced that it's been re-announced because of course because of coronavirus and it's, been, and it's only ever going to be five we we, we five episodes and we finished them um, last year um, we hope to make them this summer but of course you know that might be a case of you know, we'll have to sort of look at look at them and sort of see see how things see how things fit in with having this really long gap. And uh, you know, and I mean, I think what we're all hoping, particularly after yesterday, is that things will be comparatively back to normal by next summer. And that's sort of, you know, so it, so I think the plan is still we shoot it in the summer and it goes out um, in the autumn for that sort of lead up to Christmas, Halloweeny sort of spooky feel. And, you know, with any luck by now, schools and our lives will, by then, schools and our lives will be back to normal. Fingers crossed. Yes, hopefully. Um, I will certainly um, be tuning in whenever that happens, um, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, I am so behind the headmaster, it's it's unbelievable. Um, so I, I suppose we, we can't let you go without talking about the, the, the small elephant in the room recently. Um, just it's, it's a small show that you've been part of. <laughs> um, uh, small as in it was only three episodes, but oh yeah, very small. Obviously, yeah. not, not that, small as in the reason we're making. <laughs> uh, but obviously not small in how how big it, it, it the build up was, and obviously how big it is still, even three weeks after it's or two or three weeks after it's been released. Um, obviously for for use at home, we're, we're talking about my mum, Tracy Beaker, which came out on the twelfth of February, so two weeks ago um how how did it initially come about because it's obviously it's based on a book Jacqueline Wilson wrote the book my mum Jessie Beaker but how did the tv show come about well I think you know it as as, as usual it sort of it it um came about um because you know Jacqueline written this book and of course CBBC were instantly excited about it and um wanted to do it and um as they approached me and I was like oh yes yes please pick me <laughs> um and I think um it was, I, th I think the plan was from, from quite an early stage, this would be um, a three-part special. I think it was sort of, you know, because we we, we obviously they knew we wanted to get Danny back. Um, and at the time, you know, we thought, you know, she might not be able to do a, a longer series. And I thought it would be, you know, we also did a special event because they they occasionally do these um, um, 
because you know there's a 90 minute movie version of it which i think is the better version because there's a little bit just a little bit more room in this in the sort of the back in the final third which i think um tells the story a bit better and uh so yeah it's going to be this special and um three-parter and then it sort of was in development for a while i mean it was it was a comparatively smooth development process and it was quite um we we're quite fortunate that because of um its short length because obviously because of COVID, so many shows were put on hold um because this was only three or sort of had to film in or you know a combination of being on hold and having to film in um different ways i mean we did have to film in different ways but it didn't affect the writing too much because um because of the short length um the main actors were all um bubbled so um you were so so for instance you know i could write you know the main relationship between Tra it was mostly it's mostly about the relationship between tracy her boyfriend and her daughter yeah. and um they were able to interact normally and sort of hug and things as as you know um boyfriend and daughter so um and and they were you know danny didn't see her four-year-old daughter for about four weeks while they were filming because they had to be sort of bubbled but um th thankfully we were we were able to do that um so yes it was just so it's just it was just always going to be three parts and 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 that's what we made and then yes there was an incredible um uh response to it and to, and to the fact that it existed i think um well it went out on a on a friday evening um but and all three parts are immediately available to download on iPlayer so you could so you could see, you could see people throughout the evening watching all three and then the other two went out over the weekend but obviously people just binged it on straight on Friday evening and uh, I think because of lockdown I think obviously kids can't go anywhere but you know the 20 something and 30 somethings who remember the original Tracy Beaker show also had nothing better to be doing on a Friday night so so unfortunately that is something we sort of gained out of out of the the you know the disaster that this last year and a bit has been it's sort of well at least I had lots of people watching my mum Tracy Beaker it's not a great comfort but you know it, <laughs> well, I think well that's the thing like obviously I'm sure the show would have, have been a success anyway, without, even without lockdown, it would have been a massive, massive success, because us 30 somethings like year olds would still have watched it, but it might not have been as quick a success. Like the, the, yeah. the, the viewing figures in the one night, like it mm. broke records. Yes. It broke massive records. It's the most watched kids' TV show in its first day ever. Yes. Um, it's the most watched kids' TV show in the BBC iPlayer ever. Um, it's the most bin. It's the second, I think, most binge watched series <laughs> this year. It's, wow. I think, there's about five records it broke on one night. Um, and it's certainly it's the most anticipated show, kids show ever. Yeah. Because um, everybody that remembers the, the, the kids show. Um, but what, what I want to ask first before we kind of move on with that is, obviously, it's been nearly ten years since Tracy was last like, actual Tracy series. Or last yeah. on our screen was it strange writing back like back for Tracy now rather than the dumping ground um I think it wasn't so I mean and obviously I've been away from the dumping for a while and I think um you know the book um you know I, I think it was very much and you know sort of I've liked a few Jacqueline books and it sort of I felt very much like what we're doing here is a bit different we're doing we're doing this book and um you know obviously um you know, and I, and I think there is sort of a, a little bit of, um, you know, you have to do a bit of sort of um, 
forcing things into place in your head to sort of to, to sort of make the make the story of the book make sense with the with the TV show because I think it is quite um, it it is quite different sort of feeling from um, from the from from the, the from all the Tracy TV shows to be fair and and the dumping ground because but I think partly you know they were so they were all very long form you know the original um, the the story of Tracy Beaker used to be like twenty two episodes of fifteen minutes um, you know this is um, so, so you and and of course, and, and that was before um, I play. So you're sort of telling stories over 22 weeks, whereas you know we were telling a story over an hour and a half. And so, and it sort of it and it kind of so it kind of has a sort of more of a movie feel. I think you know things go quickly, but I think sort of who Tracy was as a mum for me just sort of it came across so clearly in Jacqueline's book, and also, and it really, you know, it's sort of everything about her personality her motivations sort of seemed to you know spring so directly from from her sort of origin story in 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 Jacqueline's books really so so I, I I'm sure you know so certainly I think all the um the many episodes I've, I've written of, of Tracy and the dumping ground definitely um you know helped and, in, and sort of inspired me but but they're still like doing a different thing you know it was a different type of structure it was a different world with a different sort of type of lead character so. yeah no that, that's definitely that and, and I think what I love about this series um is it's okay it's Tracy Beaker but it's it's about Jess as well it brings yeah. Jess obviously yeah. into it and it's it's from more from her point of view as well mm. you get a lot of her point of view um but we, we have to we, we can't talk about my Tracy Beaker without we've obviously we've we've had Boys on S Club Seven Steps reunions, and um, just to name a few recently. Um, but obviously, you you had to write for, for one of the most wanted TV reunions, should I say? Um, and obviously, uh, settling kids TV history. Um, obviously, that that's we're talking obviously there about Tracy and Justine. What yeah. was it like to bring the two characters back together? Well, I mean, it was it was very exciting and. Of course, you know, last time I wrote Tracy and Justine together in um, jo Justine Littlewood Returns, an episode of Tracy Beaker Returns, that was kind of me making up the story. And this time it was it was Jacqueline's story. So I knew what had to happen and, you know, dramatic things happen. And, you know, and it's interesting sort of looking at the sort of responses on social media because it's a sort of iconic feud and, um, you know, people sort of sort of want them to make up but really don't. And it's sort of just sort of doing that sort of, balancing act that they sort of you know, and you know and of course um as, as you know if you've seen it it's sort of like they seem to sort of make up but then um they really really don't and then sort of by, by the end they kind of reach this sort of you know grudging to respect I is I sort of I think they sort of have it and I sort of I sort of feel like you never want to sort of completely reconcile them because I sort of feel like, you know, as I said, they're like the doctor and the master or like Sherlock and Moriarty. They will always, they will always clash. But, um, but I think there is a sort of, they've come from the same place. They've had the same sort of tough early life. They've shared their early life. There is, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a sibling relationship in many ways because, because not, I mean, actually I got on really well with my sisters, but not everybody. But he and it's sort of like sibling rivalry um so they are sort of almost like warring sisters and um you know I think people will probably want to see them sort of get together and um and fight it out again and again yeah no it's definitely it's one of those definite like 
re like duels that you you mm. always remember in kids TV, and it, it's one yeah. of the ones that you definitely do, you don't you don't ever want them to see them getting completely on because that would be pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, was was it hard getting it right for for kids TV, knowing that a lot of Tracy Beaker fans that have now mm. obviously grown up? Yeah, I mean it's. It's that strange, you know, and you know that you can't please everyone. I mean, I think sort of CBBC were very keen to sort of, um, you know, make sure it served the core audience. And there was a very, very keen on them. Jess's point of, you know, which 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 is in the book and I was going to do anyway. But I think, you know, I think CBBC, I sort of had the sort of, you know, producers and execs from CBBC sort of, you know, going and yeah, make sure it's, you know, that Jess is central, make sure it's from Jess's point of view. Um, and I think... You know, and part of me was just sort of, you know, I was always thinking, well, we're going to get a lot of 20 and 30 somethings writing this. And, you know, they they will be there for Tracy. So let's not make sure that, you know, let's make sure that Tracy is not sort of underserved as a character. I mean, you know, you're never going to be able to to please everyone. Um, and, you know, obviously I was working to the story of the book. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was, you know, I'm just very grateful to be allowed to do it because it was just, a, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. No, definitely. I can, I can imagine. Um, just a couple more questions. Um, one we have to touch on because I think it, it's it's vital. It was one of the probably the, the, obviously the main story it was um, between Sean and, and Tracy um, and Jess. That was like, you know, the Tracy and Jess trying to find a family. I think one of the biggest. Um, some people say twists. I didn't. I saw it coming. Um, was obviously Cam's story. Yes. Um, what was it like to finally write Cam's story truthfully? It was brilliant. Um, and of course, you know, because in the book, um, Cam and Mary um, get together. But um, in the um, and, and I said to Jacqueline, as an, you know, because I because I was sort of thinking it, it's an interest because like a lot of Jacqueline's stories, um, you know, when I talk. Um, and obviously I think Cam is in many ways a kind of analogue for Jacqueline and um, I think I, I put some wedding scene about Tracy saying sort of that Cam's book because we, we don't really know about Cam's books much in the um, in the in the show we know we know that she's a writer um, and Tracy says that Cam's books don't end happily and or, or don't have ha fairy tale happy endings and we know that Jacqueline's books don't and um, and I remember sort of thinking about how do we end this with a sort of because it's because it's going to be a what you know we don't know if that we, we hope there'll now be a sequel but we don't know so this could be you know it, this it's a one-off it's a 90-minute movie it could be the last we ever see of Tracy and and her you know friends on the screen um it would be great to have a, a happy ending wedding rate ending um is that too cheesy and I sort of suggested it and then I'd sort of and I'd mentioned it to Jacqueline and um and then I'd sort of been sort of work on it I thought no a wedding's a bit much maybe it's an engagement party and then and then I sort of spoken to and then I saw Jacqueline and she was saying oh I remember you, you talked about how a wedding I thought that would be wonderful and then I sort of talked to the producers and I was going a wedding let's not be half-assed with a engagement party let's have a wedding so you know things happen fast in this 90 minute movie but as I keep saying there's you know a lot of things you know there's a lot of more time has passed than than you know everything doesn't happen one after another so so that was so that was really exciting and I think that obviously I'd worked on the original series and um, I'd read the books I said well so obviously Cam's a lesbian right because it's very oh, it was never mentioned um, until then but definitely yeah. And um, and and I and the producers at the time said yes, but we don't talk about that. So like, oh, okay. So and then and this was um, I was just a very junior writer at the time, and sort of without 
um, it was absolutely nothing to do with me, but um, they obviously a decision was made to marry Cam off to a man, which I thought was a bit strange because even, you know, anyway, um, obviously in the meantime, um, and, you know, the years before this book came out, Jacqueline had, I mean, as Jacqueline said, you know, she was never really in the closet to anyone who knew her. She was openly living with Trish, but I think um, it just hadn't been part of her public image. But then she, um, she, she wrote um, a book about a young girl coming out and, um, you know, and, and sort of she was talking and she sort of was interviewed for the first time really talking about Trish and her relationship and um and of course in and in the new book um Cam finally gets a girlfriend I mean I would have I mean that that is one of the things that if anything I would obviously I would have liked to have done more episodes so we could have Cam and Mary's relationship in more depth because I think the reason that as you say some people make things a twist is because it's sort of we don't have a lot of build-up to it on screen, but um, I, I, I think, you know, it's it, it's it's great that Cam, because Cam is so sort of, you know, I mean, she's not just long suffering because she's not a martyr and she actually, you know, her, her character is she, you know, she doesn't take uh, too much nonsense from Tracy. She's she's strong, but um, but she's, you know, she's been a rock for Tracy all these years. And um, I think it's just that sort of Cam gets up, gets something good happening to her, really. <laughs> so. well, that's it. I think one of the best scenes, certainly of the three episodes, I think it was all fantastic, don't get me wrong, but one of the best scenes was actually, and everybody kind of pinpoints Justine and, and obviously Tracy's reunion, but the scene between Tracy and a real mum and Cam yes. sitting on the couches was just, it was absolutely fantastic. And then when obviously Tracy stuck up for, for Cam, it was like, wow. Like obviously we knew Tracy loves Cam and everything. We, we know that, the relationship there, but it was just, that was the first time. I'm right in saying, it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the first time we met a mum on screen, isn't it? Um, it's actually, um, she was wrong? in um, the, the movie of me, which was a movie, another sort of special movie length thing, which they did between written by Mary Morris, which came between series three and four of the original. So it was ha- so it happened just before I came in. And I think, and, and, and in that, so, and, and it was, and, and Ruth Gemmell played Carly in that. And that's what she, she goes in search of her mum and she finds her and, um, and, and she's working as a stunt double on a, on a film. Um, and, and I think sort of, you know, and I think Tracy sort of, as, as, as happens in the book, she sort of considers a relationship with her mum, but then sort of realises that actually Cam's the one who's really there for her. But this, but, 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 um, this, but yeah, this was sort of obviously sort of based on, you know, the, as, as I was writing it, I was just sort of thinking about how much um, everything about Tracy's character has been sort of formed by, you know, really the, the neglectful actions of her mum and I was and, and sort of yeah so when I was when I was writing that scene I was just sort of it's interesting with writing because often sort of trying to be very subtle and have things be unsaid but I just sort of thought no I think Tracy should actually say some things and I sort of thought it would just have sort of um, generations of fans going going yeah well said finally so That's I think exactly few- I thought you get a dancer so, because so, so because of that sort of like, this idea of it being like you know it's a big ninety minute special you know this might who knows but you know if this if this were to be you know the final chapter of Tracy on TV because who knows what happened in the future I just sort of thought let's let's have some like let's have some bits which are really sort of you know this has been coming for twenty years sort of thing so yeah yeah no definitely um the last one on, the last question on, on the TV shows is obviously if anyone's watched my mum Tracy Beaker and I'm well if anyone has I know for a fact like. 12 or 12 million people on that Friday night watched it. Um, but for those that have watched it, 
three little words right at the end sparked some interest. Oh, yes. Um, how it ended. Um, obviously, the, the three words I'm talking about is to be content. Yes. <laughs> um, so what's next for Tracy? Or, or, and Jace? Because I personally think, I'll put my point across yes. first, um, I think there's definitely ground between Tracy and Peter. Yes, that, that I, think, I, I, think, I think you could be right. Uh, of course, then there is an... Another it's a novel by another novel by Jacqueline, and um, we are the Beaker Girls. So which we're, we're so yes, I am actually um, outlining um, a potential episode one of a series for for CBBC now. And I think what what we're but you know obviously these things you know things all change. But um, yeah. I think what they're potentially looking at could be a longer series um, of the you know Tracy and Jess and Tracy and Jess and you know their friends and so so I think yeah we're I think we're very much hoping to to continue that story yeah no that that, that'd be good definitely um and you've got the viewers like that (laughs) my mom Tracy Beaker proved that like proved that that, that there's the viewers out there um and there's also the adult viewers so maybe you don't know maybe putting on to BBC One could be the first kids (laughs) show that that makes prime time TV you never know I think Um, we're hoping that um I think sort of waiting for the date to be confirmed, but I think we're certainly hoping that um, my mum, Tracy Beaker, will be on BBC One so uh, in the near future. Although, I mean, I did say, I don't know who's left to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Certainly, but maybe I'll certainly rewatch it. I would rewatch it if it made BBC One, definitely. Um, So, what's next for Emma? Obviously, you talked there about the the possibility of we we have the Beaker girls, but. Yes, well, hopefully, um, hopefully we are the Beaker Girls, and hopefully, well, you know, as I said, Demon Headmaster Two, um, sort of written and ready to go. Although I think it'll need a lot of rewriting to sort of come to terms with the events of the last year, um, and and then, as usual, sort of show um, shows in development, which we just sort of can't really talk about yet, but hoping. So yes, uh, and obviously, I had various sort of theatre things which have kind of. Um, gone away at the moment because of um covid but yes we're hoping that just hoping that theatres will reopen soon well the the, the first time yesterday boris actually mentioned the word theatre i couldn't believe it (laughs) he actually mentioned it for the first time in a year um obviously looking at the 17th of may with limitations and then from the 21st of june onwards is normal so fingers crossed that actually happens I think I, I feel like I've said fingers crossed more than you know almost anything uh, apart from unprecedented over the last year. Do you know? I think I was talking to <laughs> last night about about it, and my, my friend says, "Oh, but we've heard all this before." And I went, "Yeah, but it feels different this time." Well, I mean, we have vaccine. We've got all these people who yeah. are vaccinated, so come on. <laughs> yeah, it feels different. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so we, we'll finish the episode the same way as we do every time, um, and that's talking about your viewing habits. Um, you're obviously we're, in, we're currently still in lockdown three, although the end is in sight, thankfully. Um, what TV have you been watching during lockdown? Um, oh, during lockdown, uh, well, I mean, this was the most sort of um, recent thing, which has just you know really sort of imprinted itself on my mind is um, it's a sin, uh, obviously by my um, hero Russell T Davis. Yeah, uh, I mean. I'm always wondering, like, you know, am I just too much of a fangirl because I just like love everything he does, and you know, I loved, you know, um, I loved years and years. I loved Cucumber, but I thought It's a Sin was just really something else. It's so, I mean, what um, and what I love about his writing and and his take on Doctor Who is it's so um, 
it feels so uniquely him and yet it's also very sort of bold and populist and it's sort of you know he's not writing for a niche audience he's he's writing for a big audience and and yet it's still so such a, a unique voice so yeah that's uh, um that's the thing that I've, I've i've i really enjoyed um i possibly haven't been watching as much sort of serious drama and things as i as i as i should over over lockdown i think i've been sort of been trying to trying to sort of you know get trying to force myself to get on with work um but um uh, the queen's gambit i i thought was great that was um, good yes i watched that no it was definitely um so what one tv show would you write for if you could write for any tv show in in the, the world well i mean i think obviously my answer has to be doctor <laughs> um and but you know i don't know i think i think i think i might get intimidated i mean you know even though i've do, yeah, i've sort of done so much work that's kind of meddling with beloved characters i start you know because I've, I've, I've done a bit of doctor who um on audio for big finish and i i always sort of um so if, if you sort of love something too much it can be it can be kind of quite dating sort of the fear of getting it wrong um but yes and I, and I and I also think somebody needs to bring back Quantum Leap and Rent a Ghost. <laughs> well, that was actually my question: is what what TV show would you bring back? <laughs> Rent a Ghost. I, I know of it. I don't remember it. I'm a, a bit young, I'm afraid. Um, I mean, I think it's it's kind of rather like Doctor Who. It's kind of got sort of a, a great premise that could sort of go anywhere, which is really um, well. The, the premise is uh, Rent a Ghost. And it, used to, it had a theme tune which began, if your mansion house needs haunting, just call Rent a Ghost. So if you, if you need sort of, if, if, if you need ghosts, if you, if you need sort of people to do a job that um, humans can't do, or if you need ghosts or, you know, apparitions for, for any reason, um, you, 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 you call Rent a Ghost. Um, and, I, and I sort of feel like that's a, that's, a, that's a premise which could go in any direction. <laughs> Well, you're you're in a perfect uh, opportunity there. You you could maybe write it and and pitch it to TV channels, and then you never know what could happen. Um, the most controversial we'll be getting the show is we ask, what one TV show would you bin? Um, well, I probably will be quite controversial, but I am, I'm, I'm not, and uh, and I it's probably just being me off, but I I'm not a fan of um what they call structured reality so 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 i think you know th i think things like love island um made in chelsea Towie, and all this i mean it's sort of like i know i'm a hypocrite because if i ever sort of I'm, i can imagine myself getting really into any of these things but i sort of this sort of strange thing of like you know where they have storyliners and writers but it's supposedly people lives uh, i just find it a bit icky i kind of think you know Make a drama or make I know I'm just being ridiculously old-fashioned, but I just think like make a drama or make a documentary. Don't don't blur it because it just sort of feels like as somebody might say fake news. And uh, and I think also that but you know I think the fact that certain of these shows the expo you know I think if if you're if you're dealing with with actors that's like an honest contract. You're they know what they're doing. If you're dealing if you're making a documentary, you kind of have a sort of duty portrayed with but these structured realities see it's a whole rant now <laughs> sort of it's neither one thing or the other but I think the the justification for my rant is people have taken their own lives over this stuff um it encourages bullying it encourages lookism bin bin them all <laughs> yeah, no, I've got to agree with you actually that, that's Love Island would be my show to bin 
yeah. without yeah. a doubt. Um, as much as I do watch it every year and have watched every episode, um, it's kind of one of those shows you watch. You watch the first episode, you say, I'll watch it. I'll see who goes in and that's it. And then eight weeks later, it's the final when you've watched every episode. Um, definitely. But I can understand. You know, and it's sort of like, I feel bad about myself for watching, but you know, because I'm not saying they're not compelling. I mean, God, you know, my utter guilty pleasure over lockdown, I did feel guilty, was, was Tiger King, because I sort of feel like, oh God, by my consuming this, this compelling, grotesque, narrative i'm probably contributing to exploitation of tigers so it's awful but i mean i couldn't take my eyes off it no that definitely that (laughs) that will go down and and hiss it and that's i'm I'm almost sure tiger king's 100 percent owes it to the lockdown i don't think if i think if if it hadn't been the lockdown i don't think it would have been as popular definitely um because it was just lockdown so everybody was it was during that three weeks, the, the initial, it's only going to be three weeks. Everybody thought, all right, okay, we'll take time off work, we'll have this, and, and the binge watch Tiger King, definitely. Um, two more questions. Um, what one reality show would you ever, would you take part in? So not constructed <laughs> reality, talent reality. Um, maybe The Masked Singer, because I saw a bit of that the other day, and I sort of thought, but of course you need to be fam- famous to go on that. So... Uh, Oh, no, it's, it's what, would you, what would you want to try? Well, okay. Yeah. Famous wise, because everybody, like, I'm not famous at all, and I'd love to do Strictly. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I guess I would. I guess I would love to do Strictly, but I mean, I would be so, I would be so bad at Strictly. But I sort of think, um, I love the sort of, yeah, the routines they do in the stories, and I sort of think, you know, sometimes the sort of, the more rubbish um, dancers can just have the pro like dancing around them. So yeah, I think I'd do Strictly like that. <laughs> As long as you're not an annual, I just have a glamorous pro dancing around me. <laughs> um, and the, the last question that we like to finish off all the time is, what's your top three shows? Just, just sort of like in terms of sort of affection and and um, sort of special place in my heart. They're probably going to be all really old. This is about, but I think Doctor Who, Red Dwarf, um, Blackadder. There we go. <laughs> they're all really old shows, but I don't care. No, they're just, good. Just sort of like you know, if it's sort of what really just means a lot to you. <laughs> Well, I think that's what people do put in their top three, definitely. Like it's, it's shows that, that, that have meant a lot, um, definitely. And, and they are fantastic shows. And, and we'll go down, we'll definitely t- try to test time. Like we'll go past like generations to come. We'll still be talking about Blackadder and things like that, definitely. Because um, there were there were geniuses, both in the writing and the acting, definitely. Yes. But, but that's us. You, you have got to the end. Thank you um, <laughs> once again for, for joining. Um, it was a real pleasure to, to learn about this side of the screen, obviously to show people that there are other jobs out there, yeah. um, not just acting. As much as acting is fantastic, um, without the actors, without the writers, sorry, and, and producers and directors and everybody else like that, there's, there's no jobs for actors. It doesn't just take a village, it takes a city. <laughs> Definitely, 100%. Um, of, but once again, a lot of people working on that show, it's like an ugh. <laughs> definitely but thank you very much um you guys at home thank you for listening join us next week when we'll have another great star taking them taking us through their tv life but once again emma thank you very much thank you very much Lovely.